I'm Kelly Drake, and you're listening to Hop In My U-Haul. In this podcast, I'll be taking you all around New York City and beyond to some really unique lesbian and queer spaces. You'll meet artists, entrepreneurs, and leaders who are all doing really inspiring work in their communities. Oh, and you might be wondering why we're in a U-Haul. Well, yesterday at the farmer's market, I met this really cute girl, and we're going on a date next week at this vegan restaurant in Bushwick. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I have a really, really good feeling about it. Anyway, let's hit the road. Hop on in. It's been months since the pandemic began, which means that if you haven't moved to the suburbs with your girlfriend yet, you've likely at least adopted a cat together. Or maybe you started the pandemic single and you found yourself a long-distance relationship with a TikTok girl. Either way, most of our lives have gone totally digital. So on Hop In My U-Haul, we're shifting focus to look at online spaces. Right now, it's really starting to feel like fall, which of course means that I've busted out my flannels and my Tims. Personally, I think fall is the prime season for lesbian fashion. So it's only fitting that today's episode is about Port Vert Vintage. Port Vert is a dyke-owned and operated vintage shop based in Brooklyn. Allow me to introduce you to my favorite dyke power couple and the owners of Port Vert Vintage, Tess and Kai. I'm Kai. I'm the creative director and photographer at Port Vert. I'm a stud and a sissy, I always like to say. Um, I'm Tess's girlfriend. So I'm Tess. I'm a femme dyke, and I'm the business and social media director of Port Verit Vintage, and I'm also Kai's girlfriend. Port Verit is a vintage store primarily, though we are branching out to styling services. We started in June, last June, on the 30th for World Pride. We decided to launch our store because it's important to our ethos that we're dyke run um, and operated and like hope to primarily serve the LGBTQ community, um, though we obviously (laughs) don't care who our customers are at the end of the day. I'm just going to put this out into the universe because we want (laughs) to manifest it. We are like especially interested in styling drag artists and like would love to consult drag artists on like incorporating vintage textiles and vintage pieces into their costumes. Our shop is camp, tacky, pro quote unquote bad beauty, as well as glamour forward and advocates for lesbian glamour. That's our, (laughs) that's who we are. Yeah. Where did you get the idea to start Port Vert? One of the realities of like loving vintage in New York and living in small spaces is that you're probably going to have to part with a lot of your clothing at some point. We both had actually Depop accounts individually. So we just decided like we're probably better together <laughs> working on one Depop store. So we closed our individual shops and um, we had also, we both had graduated and we were out of work. So we were like, we need something that's a job. So we decided to like put more effort into our styling and conceptualizing our photo shoots and like making it like a real business. And it's been so nice to combine one of the necessities of like, we have to empty our closet periodically (laughs) and to be able to like combine our academic interests and our aesthetic interests into this one project. They sell their pieces using a platform called Depop, which allows people to resell clothing right out of their own closets. 
Of course, the first step in selling on Depop is actually finding pieces to sell. They took me through their process for finding and picking out a vintage piece. Yeah, well, when we were talking about this question, Tess and I realized that we kind of have different styles of sourcing because for me, I'm really, I don't think when I'm in a vintage store, I'm really looking at anything. I'm more of a person who just kind of runs my hands down the racks and I look for something that feels good because... For me, I'm pretty comfort driven in the way I dress. And so if it's with vintage stuff, fabric can be kind of a gamble. So like if it doesn't feel good, even if it looks good, I'm probably not going to buy it. So I definitely go by texture when I'm sourcing and then see if I like the way it looks. But I mean, if something looks really awesome, I guess I cave a lot of the time too. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still not, you know, the best at identifying like eras right when I look at it. When you see something that's heavy polyester it's probably 70s you know but mm-hmm. other than that I I like to use the label resource on Vintage Fashion Guild which I really recommend to anyone who is interested in vintage shopping because you can really you realize that you find some steals in unexpected places once they've picked a garment we do definitely have to wash them and we like to steam them so they're not wrinkled Um, And then sometimes there will be like more serious stains or holes. Those are the ones that are more fun to rework. I think that is like entering our shop more and more. And we hope to like have some more reworked vintage pieces also in the future. Next to having quality products, the biggest aspect to any business is branding and marketing. Tess and Kai's personal styles heavily influence Port Verde's aesthetic. My personal style disclaimer and (laughs) identity disclaimer, as we need to do when we write anything. (laughs) For me, my femme identity um, has been developed through my style and through my love of vintage. I draw my inspiration mainly from old Hollywood starlets and girl bands from the 60s and countries like early country stars like Patsy Cline and obviously Dolly Parton, who is a lesbian icon in her own right. And then also drag queens um, like Louisiana Purchase, who is like loves old Hollywood starlets like I do and Miss Malice. I define femme using Amber Hollybaugh's quote that it's not about being a girl, it's watching yourself be a girl. And I think it's about feeling outside of a heterotypical female identity and, and expressing femininity to an extreme and to exaggerate it. And I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I think for myself, a lot of that came after I shaved my head and then I felt like more comfortable playing with very traditional feminine vintage pieces and like more feminine collars and things like that, that I hadn't, I hadn't really felt comfortable wearing previously because my hair was longer and it was like, I felt I don't know. I felt a little too straight, you know, <laughs> but then after my hair is like grown out, grown out at this point, I have kind of longer hair again. And, um, I feel very comfortable still expressing that extreme femininity in my clothing because that's just like how I ground myself as a femme. So that's my, that's my personal disclaimer. <laughs> is it my turn? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So from the other side of things, I guess my personal disclaimer is that something that's really big for me and that I insist upon is that butch can be just as fluid of an identity as femme and that 
there's a much more socially rigid idea of what butch is and what butch can look like in our society and even within the LGBTQ community than there is for femme. And there's a lot of variations of what people think femmes can look like, but the answer for butch is very often the same thing and it involves a lot of Carhartt. And so (laughs) it's very important to me as a person who most of the world would look at and probably receive as more androgynous or queer to call myself butch and to claim that identity because A, that's how I feel and that's how I believe I operate in the world. And secondly, because I think it's important as a queer person to participate in queer world making and to present possibilities other than the possibilities that are in front of us. And so for me, that's what being butch is. So I think, I think about in terms of style, being butch is both about a kind of gender embodiment and then about the way you dress. And so in my own personal butch gender embodiment, it definitely comes out of two very specific places. I grew up in dance as a kid and so I like started dancing when I was three. And I think a lot of my masculinity comes out of the masculinity I saw performed by gay men in the dance community when I was a child. And it's very important to me to acknowledge that as a form of masculinity that is present and important in the world. <laughs> and secondly, I also grew up like in a neighborhood that we would call underprivileged today, I guess, but what I would just call, you know, kind of the hood. And so I'm also very influenced by the men I saw growing up there and like my biggest dream as a child that I wasn't allowed to really think about until now is that I wanted to grill so bad and I like wanted to wear do-rags and I just wanted to look like every like early 2000s rapper. And so I think my butch gender is definitely very grounded in those two kind of disparate places, but they seem the same to me. And also in terms of my butch style, I would say... I kind of always want to look like a feminine man and just a pretty boy. And that's what I'm going for. And that comes out of like 70s rock and like definitely punk style and like the love interest of all the old Hollywood starlets in my favorite (laughs) movies as a kid. Just goes to show they truly are a match made in heaven. It's really important to talk about personal identity disclaimers and markers because the fashion industry is typically rooted in a heteronormative, outdated beauty ideal. But at Port Vert, all of their models are queer folks. First and foremost, we're dyke-run and operated, and we are dyke-styled, and we have a lot of, um, I guess, all of our models um, LGBTQ people, we really care about working with people in the LGBTQ community <laughs> and like, um, giving our friends opportunities to model, which is like such a, f- it's so fun to style your friends and shoot them. And like, like recently we had a shoot that just like brought me so much joy to watch my friend being a superstar and a supermodel. Like it was just like, you know, it really, it empowers people in such a special way. And so like, um, anyway, sorry, I got sidetracked. That's just like, that's, that what's, that's what makes the business super fun for us. Like it's a tough industry. Like, and yeah, it's, it's nice to like be able to give ourselves the opportunity to step into the industry, like in an alternative way and like to be our own stylist and like to, for me to be a model and, you know, 
because nobody's going to hire us to do it. We were just like, we're going to do it ourselves. And we're going to let anyone who wants to be a model be a model because it's really hard to book a shoot and to get people to care about your styling and to care about your sizing and stuff. So that that's like also very important to our brand ethos. And I believe that what they're doing at Port Vert Vintage is also important for the fashion industry in general. Right now, what you're seeing is a lot of false diversity campaigns and pushes for inclusion that are really just commodifying queer bodies. One of the things that we always talk about is the new um, queer model sector that like already exists. <laughs> We've noticed this like distinct group of people who get booked for certain shoots, who like model for certain brands and like what's that store called fluid, you know, like brands like that, like that are doing the gender neutral fashion. Um, though, (laughs) though, are they, I don't know. Like we, like we talk about how interesting it is that like the concept of gender neutral fashion and like the image of a queer model, like, while it is supposed to be infinitely expansive is like being solidified visually, you know, by like specific people who look a specific way. And like brands are saying like, this piece is what gender neutral people wear. (laughs) And this is like a genderless piece of clothing at Port Verde. We think that every piece of clothing is genderless. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's that there's like, um, it's interesting to witness the aestheticization of that. Do you have thoughts? Um, well, just, you know, I have so many thoughts on the gender neutral thing. Yeah. <laughs> it just, as Tess said at Port Verde, we think every piece is neutral. And I just think it's very interesting to live in 2020 and the time in which we have like collectively decided that gender is fake and like that things don't mean anything. But then when we reproduce like gender neutral clothing, that is just like, the same clothes that you could get at Forever 21, but they're just called gender neutral. It's like not actually, it doesn't seem to actually be a reimagination of anything. And it's like still based on very binary things Mm -hmm. that don't actually question like what would a garment that doesn't look like any other clothes look like Mm -hmm. as much as it is a branding decision and like a queer capitalism thing Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. We know that there are certain personalities and corporations that do prey on the LGBTQ community in order to make money. Port Verde Vintage is so different than that, though. Queerness is in the fabric of their business. Yes, I just made that pun. Moving on. I didn't have time to include it all in this episode, but in another episode, Tess and Kai tell me all about the academic knowledge that they have of queer history and queer fashion. I'd highly recommend you check that out. But getting back to Port Vert specifically, Tess and Kai don't just take pictures of the garments they find and rework. When they're going to sell something, they make a whole campaign out of it. Their focus is on the life of a piece. They try not to assign anything onto it that doesn't speak to the garment itself. Check out their Instagram for some of their previous campaigns. They're so cool. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It's honestly really organic in the moment while there is kind of a feel and an idea that we want to express in general. Like in terms of coming down to each individual photo, we 
they're really directed around the piece and kind of as when you look on our depop every piece is given a name and we decide those kind of in the moment of the shoot because we kind of base what the shoot looks like off this personality we create off a name and we're like literally googling like what are dyke names what are butch <laughs> names to like get some inspiration to like find something that feels like it matches the piece and so we create a whole identity and then create a little tableau of what their little moment in our lesbian imaginary universe would look like <laughs> I guess our styling set direction is like I think come for me it's just the most extreme version of the way we dress and the things we own and it's like Tess and I both, I think, share a slightly camp aesthetic to our personal styles. And so with Port Fair, it's just about kind of getting deep into that world. And our whole house basically is decorated with weird little vintage tchotchkes because we basically only spend money on weird little vintage things. So it's basically a combination of the fact that this is the way we live and the way we like to look and also about creating a fantasy where we insert ourselves back into the history of the world as queer people, but in a more fun, exciting way than we were allowed to exist in, I feel. Tess and Kai talked to me a lot about how they feel it's important to include discussions about queer history and tradition in any conversation about queer fashion. Part of, I think, every vintage seller's ethos is, like, every piece has a story, and, like, we are conscious and... acknowledging the history of fashion when we sell and I think it's definitely part of Port Barrett's ethos to take that very seriously and to take fashion seriously and not only in the like physical not even just with our physical clothes but with our whole brand and part of if we as dykes take fashion really seriously and style as a part of our lives like how can we incorporate that into our brand as well and take it as seriously as we would take anything else because we are also and I'm sure everybody can tell pretty serious academics in everything that we do and so it's no surprise that we wanted to introduce that into our business as well and part of the queer experience historically everywhere in the world but specifically in America and specifically in New York is about being hidden as a queer person we went to this talk recently about New York City LGBT spaces and I was like really struck by this comment that someone made that there's so little like LGBTQ archival material because not only is it just not it was never valued but people's own family members and loved ones would destroy them afterwards because there was just like no possible world that they could imagine in which this would be valuable and like as a historical document and that like broke my heart in a pretty serious way and so when it comes down to like reintroducing LGBTQ people into history as a vintage shop Mm -hmm. it's like important to that's what we're trying to do basically with our lesbian imaginary universe is we're in vintage clothes around vintage stuff creating little vintage tableaus of these imagined queer people in an imagined queer world and making it it's a little fantasy of a history that could have happened and did happen, but we don't have any real records of. So we're kind of creating these little fun faux records of them, <laughs> in my opinion. Their lesbian imaginary universe is so fun. And I think it's a really unique thing for a business to be doing to immerse its followers and customers in something that's not just 
buying a piece of clothing, but actually creating an experience for shopping and a community to be a part of. One of my favorite aspects of this lesbian imaginary universe is Butch Femme Fridays. Basically on Fridays, they post pictures of butch femme couples and talk about the style markers and the fashion dynamics going on. Now, if you're not so familiar with the terms butch and femme, for butch, you can think people like Lena Waith, Megan Rapinoe, Rachel Maddow, Jane Lynch. And for femmes, you can think Kate McKinnon, Kristen Stewart, kinda, Cara Delevingne most of the time, Kate Blanchett and Carol. Every couple that we feature is not necessarily a lesbian couple, and sometimes they're <laughs> not even humans. One of my favorites they posted was Kermit and Miss Piggy. I'm sure there will be ones in the future, like maybe like animated characters or something like that. Oh yeah, because we actually also um, early on the Instagram before we started Butch Fem Friday, there's like a Hey Arnold post about <laughs> Helga's um, female masculinity, like and drawing from female masculinity by Jack Halberstam. Like I, I look at the like you know hashtag lesbian style, like hashtag femme, like all this stuff, and like. I want to clog those hashtags <laughs> with different content. <laughs> so um, that's like what our intention was behind the hashtag. And we see like lesbian style and elements as being transcendent um, and like incorporated into the popular imagination, like even when they're not applied to lesbian bodies, um, which is a necessity of being a queer person of being able to imagine yourself in places that you weren't. And I think it's a hundred percent in the spirit of our shop and just like, there's so much angst in what little public lesbian identity we do have. It's quite angsty and quite dramatic. And sometimes it's just like fun to laugh about it and fun to just reintroduce yourself to the play aspect of it. Cause it's not all, longing for as much of it as longing. <laughs> if you want to know more about Port Vert Vintage. So you can find us at Port Vert Vintage on Instagram and on Depop, Port Vert Vintage. And email us <laughs> at portvertvintage at gmail.com for styling inquiries. Once again, I'm Kelly Drake and this has been Hop in My U-Haul. Of course, thank you to WNYU Radio and Shane Patterson for helping make this podcast happen. The music you heard in this episode is by the band Recreational Mouthwash. If you liked what you just heard, you can check out my previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can find me on Instagram at hopinmyuhaul or on Twitter at kellymdrake19. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye.